sit down. We are just about the, at the end of our series on Genesis. In fact, next week will be our last week. Today I want to talk to you about Jacob. For some of you who were here last week, you'll remember I talked about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But I want to take this morning to focus in on Jacob. And you'll find out why in just a moment. But I need to tell you this about Jacob. He had a brother by the name of Esau. And Esau was the firstborn. Esau was a man that God rejected. But Jacob was a man that God accepted. When you read the scripture, you ask yourself a question... It doesn't seem fair. Why would God reject one and embrace the other? Why does God love Jacob but hates Esau? Well, I'm going to tell you. The thing that God is looking for is for a people who love him, who accept him, and who recognize his blessings on their life. And here's the thing about so many of us so often is that we are, in fact, like Esau. We don't recognize or acknowledge the blessings that God has bestowed upon us. God showers us with blessing, and all we can see are the things that we don't have or the things that we want. And so we end up being complainers rather than being a people who recognize God's hand. That was Esau. One day Esau came in from hunting. He was famished, and his brother Jacob was was cooking um, something maybe like a, a savory porridge. Uh, I know it sounds gross, but hey, that's what they were eating. And Esau got back from his hunting tour, and he said, man, uh, give me some of that whatever it is that you're making. And uh, Jacob said, I'll give you some, but sell me your birthright. Sell me your position, the, 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 the position that you have, which makes it possible for you to inherit everything and to receive the blessing the patriarchal blessing. Now look at this. Esau despised the blessing of God. He despised his inheritance. He said, sure, you can have my birthright. I mean, what good is a birthright if I'm starving, right? And so very flippantly, without any concern or care for this sacred, this holy birthright, he sells it to his brother Jacob. Well, The story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob goes over many chapters. I don't have time to go through all those chapters today. So what I'm going to do is just give you a bird's eye view of what happened. So Esau Esau finds out that his brother Jacob has been blessed by his dad. His dad, Isaac, passed on the blessing to him. And now Jacob is going to be the one through whom God's blessing and God's inheritance and God's... uh, all that God has is going to go through Jacob and not Esau. And Esau is really angry. And he runs to his father and he says, do you, have any, do you have only one blessing, my father? Don't you have a second one? Don't you have something else for me? Anything. Don't you have something for me? And he says, bless me too, my father. And then it says Esau wept aloud. He despised God. He despised his father. He despised his birthright. He despised the fact that he was, in fact, in the line of those who were chosen. Jacob, however, understood that there's something very special about being called by God, something very special about being included in the promises and included in the plans of God. So Isaac, wanting to please God, Wanting what his father has, wanting what his grandfather has, 
he puts himself in a position where he really hijacks Esau's birthright. Now, can I remind everybody that Esau didn't care about it anyway? It wasn't important to him, but it was to Jacob. So we read in Genesis chapter 28, verses 1 to 3. So Isaac called for Jacob and blessed him and said, You must not marry any of these Canaanite women. Instead, go at once to uh, Padanaram, to the house of your grandfather at Bethuel, and marry one of your uncle Laban's daughters. May God Almighty bless you and give you many children, and may your descendants multiply and become many nations. May God pass on to you and your descendants the blessings he promised to Abraham. May you own this land where you are now living as a foreigner, for God gave this land to Abraham. Abraham passes on his blessing to a son who is serious about God's program and God's plan for this world. And this morning what I want you to do is I want you to start thinking in terms of Jacob and not in terms of Esau. Esau didn't care. Esau didn't care about God's plans. He didn't care about what God wanted to do on the earth. Jacob, on the other hand, was intensely interested. He wanted his father's blessing. And so we find uh, further on in the chapter that Jacob gathers up the few things that he owns, and he heads out to the land of his uncle Laban. And uh, he there wants to get a wife, a wife that is pleasing to his parents. We read actually at the end of chapter 27 of Genesis that, that, that Jacob's parents were disgusted with his brother Esau's wives because they were not of the same faith. They didn't believe the same thing. They were, as Paul would say, unequally yoked. And folks, it's for this reason that we teach our children that if you're going to go out with somebody, if you're going to marry somebody, you marry somebody within the faith. Somebody has the same values and the same faith as you. You don't take the risk of being sidetracked by marrying somebody who doesn't believe as you do. And so Jacob brings great pleasure to his parents by going to Laban and taking a wife who has the same values and the same faith. Now, it's interesting because when he gets there, his eyes fall on beautiful Rachel. And he says to his uncle, can, can, I want her. Can I, can I have her? And Uncle Laban, stroking his long beard, thinks to himself, hmm, I can get seven years of free labor out of this guy. So he says to Jacob, you could have my daughter, but you have to work for seven years for her. And at the end of the seven years of free labor, she's yours. So Jacob looks at Rachel and says, yeah, she's worth it. Hey, guys, you say that about your wife? Would you work for seven years free, no, no payment to have her? Well, that's what he did. On the wedding night, he had his wife and went to bed. They consummated their marriage. In the morning, he wakes up and, whoa, it's not Rachel. It's her sister, Leah. That's all there in the Bible, believe it or not. <laughs> Jacob is shocked. You could say to yourself, well, how on earth did that happen? Well, here's a little little lesson, no charge. Make sure, folks, that you have light when you get married, lights that work, and don't drink wine at your wedding. So there he is, stuck with Leah. He's livid now. Poor Leah, right? You know, um, I'm, I'm your wife and you hate my guts. 
Leah, the Bible says, is not the, it was not the pretty one. She's the homely one. Can you imagine being known for 3,000 years as the homely woman? Well, that's poor Leah. And Jacob runs to, his dad's, or to, to, to her dad and says, that's not the deal. Where's Rachel? And Laban says, well, and he's thinking, oh, another seven years, <laughs> free labor. He says, well, look, we'll give her to you too, but you've got to give me another seven years. And so uh, Jacob says, well, I'm not taking chances. I'm getting Rachel now, and <laughs> I'm going to do the work. And so he gets them. So now he's got two wives. Well, I'm getting a bit ahead of myself here. So what, what, what I want to do before we get to that is I, wanna, I just want to share with you this, this moment, this golden moment in scriptures in chapter 28 where God meets Jacob face to face. It's an amazing moment. Jacob is, uh, is on his way now. He's left his parents, on his way to the land of his uncle Laban, and uh, he's lonely, probably scared, never left home before, never, never left his parents. And I'm going to tell you this, there, there was no RCMP in those days to escort you or to be present in case you have a problem. There weren't highways the way we have highways. I mean, you, when you headed out through the wilderness, I mean, you're taking your life in your hands. There could be bandits there that could finish you off. And he knew all this. And he's saying, God, <laughs> if ever I've needed you, it's now. So he, the Bible says that he finds a stone and puts it under his head and goes to sleep. And while he's asleep, he has this incredible vision. And we find that in verses 13 to 15 of, of chapter 28. And here's what it says. It says, at the top of the, there's, first of all, there's a stairway that appears to him. And it says, at the top of the stairway stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. This is God speaking to him in his dream. Your descendants will be numbered as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I'm with you. And I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to the land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything that I have promised you. And here's, here's Jacob's astonishing response. Let's take a look at this. Then Jacob, go ahead, can we put that up? Then Jacob made a vow to God. The God who's just promised him to give him his inheritance, he says, to, he says to God, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. A tithe. Now, you look at that, that passage of Scripture. In fact, you look at that whole chapter, and then you get to this strange verse, verse 22, where he says, and I'm going to tithe. Now, you'd think that some TV evangelist got that verse in there somehow, just to have some leverage in his preaching about, give me money, and God will bless you. Well, you're going to see in a moment how what we're reading here is actually prophetic of what God wants from all of us. But even more than that, you're going to see this morning that God has a big plan for your life. And it's far bigger than anything that you could ever imagine or dream. So what's it all about? 
Well, in order for us to understand this chapter, you need to understand that God has got a plan for this world. Does everybody understand that? From Genesis to Revelation, we see the unfolding of God's plan. And I'm going to tell you this. You will never be able to fully understand what you're reading in the Scripture until you understand that there's an underlying theme or an underlying plan in the Bible. Once you understand this plan, then the Scripture all begins to make sense and it all begins to connect and flow together. So here's the thing. Chapter 28, one of the key chapters of the Bible shows you what God wants to do. Here's, what's God, here's what God's key plan is, and we, we see it in verse 14. Can we look at that next verse? God says this to Jacob, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Now, folks, look at this. There's, there's two components to God's great plan. And the first thing is this, is that God is providing a way of salvation for sinful humanity. We see it in these words. All people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. What is, what's God telling Jacob? He's prophesying, he's foretelling the coming of Messiah. The coming of Jesus Christ. All nations will be blessed through you and your offspring the Philippines will be blessed through you and your offspring. Burundi will be blessed through you and your offspring. Canada will be blessed through you and your offspring. You see where I'm going with this. This is God's plan, and it begins with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God is saying to Jacob, Jacob, I want you to be on board. I want to invite you to be part of my great plan for humanity. And the second part of that is what we see at the beginning of this verse. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west, to the east, to the north, and to the south. God, listen to this, ready for this, folks? God is establishing his kingdom. Do you get that? God is establishing his kingdom. Now, what you and I need to understand as Christians... is that the thing that defines you is not whether you're Métis or Filipino or Burundian or English or Ukrainian or like if, if you're like me, a mutt, <laughs> I got everything in me, Ukrainian, Irish, Scottish, English, German, and uh, I don't know what else. It's all there. That's not what defines me. If you were born in Korea... That, being Korean is not what defines you. What defines you is that you are now part of the kingdom of God. What defines you is that you are a Christian. And so when people say, who are you? What are you? You're not going to say, well, I'm a liberal, Kevin. <laughs> or I am NDP. Or I am, I'm a Christian. What are you? There's four of us. That's good. <laughs> what defines you is not your political party. It's, it's not your, 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 your heritage, your cultural, your race. What defines you is that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. You are part of the kingdom of God. And as part of God's kingdom, you are agents of his to bring light and salvation to the world. Folks, that is what this verse is all about. 
That's what Christianity is about. In fact, that's what the Bible is about from Genesis to Revelation. It's a two-part plan to bring salvation to the world and to establish God's kingdom on the earth. Now listen to this. If you look at the, if you look at the, the temple... And I know Kevin and I were in Israel, and, and we've seen the, the model of the temple that, that Solomon built. You'll notice that in the temple that, that, that Solomon built and that God ordained be built as a place of worship is that there are different courts, different places of worship. And there's a place for, for the men to worship, a place for the women to worship. And listen to this. And there's a place for the Gentiles to worship. Well, I thought, I thought Israel, these were the chosen people, and I thought that, that, the, that God was the God of Israel, and it was just for Israel. Remember what I said last week? I said, up until chapter 12, verses, chapters 1 to 11, we, we, we discover that God is not just the God of Israel. He's the God of the whole earth. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He's the God of everything and everyone. But then we find that God just narrows it in, and we, we look to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we start to see the unfolding of God's plan. Using a people through, through whom he will bring his Savior to the world and establish his kingdom. Folks, that is the plan of God. That is why Cross Church does what it does. This is why I tell you, you need to come to church. You need to be part of church. Why? Because this is the meeting of the kingdom of God. This is why we send teams to Burundi and the Philippines and Zambia and around the world. Why? Because we are doing the work of the kingdom. We're bringing the message of salvation to a broken and hurting world. So here's the, here's the thing, folks. Ready for this? God is giving Jacob an invitation. Jacob, will you join me in this great work of bringing salvation to the world and establishing a kingdom? And Jacob says, I will. I want to do that. Let's go back to that last verse for a moment. I, I, I want to do that. And God, here's the thing. If, if you will just take care of me, watch over me, help me on my journey, protect me, meet my needs, make sure I've got food and clothing, then, God, I'm going to join you in this great plan of yours. I'm going to give you 10% of all that I have to help, look at this, to help advance the kingdom. Now, listen, listen, watch this. This is where the TV evangelists and the prosperity teachers get it so wrong. God does not bless you and provide for you and take care of you and meet your needs just so that you can be rich. Some people have that notion, God wants me rich. No, God does not. And nowhere does it say that. What God wants is for you to get on board with his plan for this broken and hurting world. He wants you to join the team. He wants you to help in the work of bringing salvation, of light and hope to a broken world. Man, to hear Dennis say today that 22 people gave their hearts to Christ, I'm going to say, yes, that's what this is all about. And that these 22 people then are part of the kingdom. They're joining the church. That's what we're about, people. And we see it right here in Genesis 20, 22. God's calling out for himself a people. He calls it his kingdom. He calls it his family. He calls it a holy people, a holy nation. 
Do you know that if you're a believer today, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are now part of a new nation, a new, a new tribe of people? It's a tribe called Christians. We're, we kind of got our goofy ways sometimes, don't we? You can spot a Christian when you see them. Or I hope you can. Are you on board with, with what God wants to do in this world? Because that has got to be your ambition, your drive, your desire. It's got to be mine. That's the thing that's got to consume us. And so here's what he says. He says, God, if you're going to take care of me, meet my needs, so that this is not the main thing, then God, I'm going to get on board with what you want to do in this world. God, sign me up. I want to be used by you, God, to establish your kingdom on this earth. Now do you see why God could not use Esau? Because Esau didn't care. He didn't care about any of that stuff. Just give me something to eat. Let me go hunting. Let me go fishing. Let me go to the cottage on the, on the weekend. That's good enough for me. I don't want to be part of the, the big plan of God. It's giving me a headache. And I'm tired of the pastor asking for money. Can I just remind you of something? God doesn't need your money. But he invites you to be part of his work on this earth. And here's the thing. Jacob beautifully outlines the promise of God. God, take care of me, meet my needs, so that I don't have to spend all my time and my energy on things that are temporal. Does everybody understand the word temporal? It comes from the word temporary. How many know this world's passing away? Nicholas is getting ready to go to Bible school. I didn't know that kid had so many clothes. And he never wears any of them. He just wears the same thing all the time. I'm telling you, there's a value village somewhere that's going to be very, very happy on Monday. Hello. God's going to take care of all your needs. When you make your commitment to him and say, God, I'm, getting on, I'm going to get on board with your plan for this world. I want to be used by you, God, to bring hope and salvation to a broken, hurting world. Then God says, right on, we're a team. Now, how many would like to be in partnership with the God of the universe? I know I do. There's nothing else, folks. Sometimes, sometimes I'm asked the question, don't you wish that maybe you know, you'd gone into plumbing and you could be a millionaire like your brother? And I said, yeah, no. Uh, I say, what I say is, um, uh, you know, I mean, if God wants to bless me that way, that's fine. But I'm going to tell you what what's brings far greater wealth and joy to my heart, and that is doing the work of the kingdom of God. So I may not have the dollars in my bank account, but I'm going to tell you, I feel happier than any millionaire on the face of this earth. Because I am doing the work that God's called me to do. And I'm going to tell you, I mean, uh, this is no slam against any other job here, but I'm going to tell you, I've got the best job in the world. It's an honor and a privilege to be on board doing this full time. But here's the thing that I know. Is that even if you're not a pastor working full-time doing the work of the kingdom, guess what? You can use your job to fund the work of the kingdom. And that's what Dennis Weeb's all about. There's a guy who sells real estate and goes off to Burundi to get his, get his village established and, and help facilitate the salvation of souls and the furthering of God's kingdom. Folks, that's what Christianity is about. 
It's about you saying, I want to be on board with God's work on this earth. Because at the end of the day, it's all that matters. What matters to you? God says, do you want to be be a part of this? Do you want to be part of something that's far greater than you? Oh, man, do I get annoyed with the TV preachers. Send in your money. God will bless you. I'm going to send you a red hanky. Put it on your head or on your wallet, and God's going to magically make your money multiply. It's garbage, folks. It's nonsense. And as far as I'm concerned, it's from the pit of hell. But if I say, listen, give so that we can do a, something special in Burundi, so we can give these kids hope, so that we can give these kids a life. Now, folks, doesn't that sound like God? Doesn't that just sound like something God would do and want to be part of? And God's inviting you to do that. That's who we are. That's what we're about. God doesn't want you rich. He wants to take care of you. But he wants to use you to advance his kingdom. A kingdom of hope, a kingdom of light, a kingdom of truth, a kingdom of happiness kingdom of abundance. Folks, that's what we're about here at Cross Church. My question to you today is this. Have you gone on board with the kingdom work? Are you willing to say along with Jacob, hey God, take care of me and I'll be glad to give you a tenth of what I have. Just a token of my appreciation, God. It's a sign that I want to get on board with what you want to do in this broken and hurting world. Would you agree with me today that this is a broken and hurting world? There's broken and hurting people right here in this congregation. There's broken and hurting people right here in our community. And God has given us a call to make a difference, to make this world a better place in preparation for an even better place, and that place is called heaven. Do you know, folks, that all who are part of the kingdom of God have the promise and the assurance of heaven? And folks, you don't have to be good enough because, quite frankly, you're never going to be good enough. Dennis, you're never going to be good enough, no matter how hard you try. But don't feel bad about that because I'll never be good enough either. But I'll tell you who is good enough, Dennis. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, God looks not at you, Dennis. He looks at Jesus living in you. And he looks at you and he says, Well done, my beloved son. I'm very proud of you. Join me in this work of advancing the kingdom of God. Those kids are going to Bible school. Where are you? Just stand up right where you are. Could you do that? Because some of them are in in the Sunday school right now. There's a few here. These kids are saying, I want to be part of kingdom work. They want to go forward and advance the kingdom of God. That's why you need to pray for them and you need to support them and help them and be generous to them. Thanks. You can be seated. That's why we send out missionaries, because they're going about advancing the kingdom of God, bringing salvation. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please. I want to remind you once again of what the twofold plan of God is. Nothing has changed from the time of Genesis to the end, and it's this. So God wants to bring salvation through you to a broken and hurting world. And he wants to help, he wants you to help him in establishing his kingdom around the world. Thank God for the establishing of his kingdom right here in this community. But how many know today there's a lot of work that needs to be done? There's a lot of work that needs to be done.
And the question is this, will you sign up? Will you do it? Will you say, Lord God, I want to be part of your program, part of your plan. God, here am I, use me. Here am I, use me. Will you say that with me today? Here am I, use me. Father, as we end the service right now, we pray, God, that this would be the beginning of something new for many people here. People would be willing to say, God, I, I accept the invitation. Challenge accepted. I will do what you want me to do. I will get on board with advancing the kingdom of God. I will be open to be used by you, Father, to bring salvation to my workmates, my family members, my neighbors, my friends. God, I submit myself to you for your purposes and for your service. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you've given us something great to do in this life. And it's more... It's more than just going to work every day so we have enough money to buy food and clothing. There's got to be more. This is just the thought of it, God. It's so mundane and boring and dull and, and uh, empty. But God, to get on board with making a difference in this world, that's what you created us for. So, Father, encourage your people today. Challenge your people, Father, to take that step and say, God, here am I. Use me. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said it? Tell the person beside you, I'm going to let God use me.